Welcome to Cinebabble, episode 56. I am your host, Ken, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, international ping-pong champion, just returned from China, Clint Jones. You Tell like my serve. Hello. I do. It's a really good serve. That's why I'm such a champion. It's blindingly fast. I, I can't even keep up. It's crazy. Clint, I normally have weird stories for you. Yeah? I have no weird story huh. this week. I feel like I've let you down. Hmm. Why aren't you out there getting hit by cars? I or? don't know. There's just nothing from the life of Ken. Yeah. But I, uh, I, I know we got a bunch to get to today. Uh, is, is there anything special that you watched? Uh, maybe we'll skip what you watch and just kind of do a quick anything out there that just needs spoken into existence right here and right now. What you watched? What What you watched? Singular. <laughs> what you Um, well, the one thing of note is I, um, I actually drug my wife out to the movies to see something in the theater, which is very infrequent these days. Okay. Um, but she has been like chomping at the bit to go out and see the Bob's Burger movie. Ah. She loves Bob's Burgers. Like with like every other quote out of her mouth is Bob's Burgers. (laughs) And, uh, at this point I should just like know that she'll say something. She'll like know what that's from. And I'll be I don't know. And then she's like, Bob's Burgers. Of, of course, course. Of course. Of course. So at this point, I just need to know that's her language. Um, so we went out and we first went to, um, Bob, which I was referring to as Bob's Burgers King beforehand <laughs> to get, get in the mood for uh, Bob's Burgers. Good, Burger, good. I movie. like the theme. Um, we actually went on the cheap night at the at our local theater. Oh, like the $7? Yeah, yeah. Get all which, the fancies for a reduced price. Which was good and bad because everybody was taking advantage of it mm. that night. So it was the most crowded I've been to a theater since pandemic times, and it was nerve-wracking. <laughs> but luckily, our theater, everyone was probably seeing like Top Gun and all that stuff. Um, but getting to the movie... I'm moving along because that's what we need to do. Moving right along. <laughs> um, it was good. It was enjoyable. Yeah. It was. It didn't let down. If you enjoy the show, uh, Bob's Burgers, you will enjoy the movie. It's kind of just like a supersized episode. They, um, It could have probably been just an episode where it was like a two-parter. They've done that in the past where it's a story they tell over a couple episodes. Mm-hmm. But um it was fun seeing it flushed out, like the animation style, like going in and doing more shading and yeah. um, more like kind of C- – not CGI, but where they kind of enhance certain aspects of the the town just to make it feel you bigger. Just spend and, more money on yeah, the Yeah, more money. The songs yeah. are more produced. and uh, But, it's yeah, it's just a good time and, good. and just – all the joy that Bob's Burgers brings just on a bigger screen. So she had a great time. I, I love the show. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's something where I would hike out to the theater to see it, but that actually gives me a little bit of hope. Yeah. Maybe if I can catch up and see both the Top Gun sequel and uh, – oh, I lost it. What was the other thing? Oh, as terrible it's supposed to be, I want to see the uh, the new Jurassic World just because – You do? Yeah. Dino, well, let me rephrase. Yeah. I don't actually want to see it. Yeah. I feel obligated to see it because mm-hmm. – you know, it's dinosaurs, and I don't know. The kid inside of me demands it, uh, even though I know. I just there's <laughs> there's no doubt in me. Yeah. Uh, especially after reading impressions online, this is going to be a terrible movie. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll check that out too. 
Yeah, I mean, well, you don't have like I don't know if I would have been really itching to go see it in the theater if it wasn't from Jenny, like yeah, just her enthusiasm yeah. for it. And and I'll take advantage of any time she wants to go to the theater. Yeah. That's that's cause enough. I'm trying to think of like animated TV shows that have gone on to have a feature film. There's not many. I mean, there's there's Simpsons. South Park and Simpsons. We went and saw that for my birthday that one year. We saw Simpsons for <laughs> your birthday? That was even though, the dome. <laughs> yeah, even though I never really watched The Simpsons, but for some reason I was really enthusiastic about seeing that in the hey, theater. you know, you were what, maybe... 18, 17, 16? Well, Jenny and I were together. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, so I was probably like then. 25. Okay. Yeah. Did Jenny come to see the Simpsons yeah. movie with us? Mm-hmm. I Movies are a blur to me anymore. Yeah. I'm so sorry. And anytime I'm there with you, it's definitely a blur because you never <laughs> remember. <laughs> I never. <laughs> well, the only uh, thing that I uh, was watching singularly uh, of note, other than I did watch Tokyo Vice. Uh-huh. Uh, props to you for that recommendation. I just thought it was going to be a limited series. Yeah. So I was really rolling into the last episode thinking everything's getting wrapped up. <laughs> no, 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 it's definitely season one. Yeah. And so that took me by surprise, but really good show. Uh, but I watched Nicolas Cage in Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Mm. And rather than tell you my review because I think my review is exactly what your review is going to be. Yeah. I would like to predict the future next episode, Clint Jones uh, review of unbearable weight of massive talent. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to hear it. You're going to say uh, yeah. that it was neither serious enough nor silly enough <laughs> to be successful <laughs> that if they had just leaned in either direction mm-hmm. and made it more adaptation surreal, yeah, it would have been great. Or if they had really leaned in and made it just kind of a ludicrous, self-serious uh, you know, biopic of Nicolas Cage's fake life, uh-huh. it would have worked. Yeah, but they they walk this middle line. It's cute, mm-hmm. uh, you know. It's it's harmless. Um, there's there's a couple of scenes where he talks to a younger version of himself. In soliloquy form, which was kind of great, <laughs> but unfortunately, that was only these, yeah. these small smatterings. Otherwise, it's just sort of a a weird, almost buddy cop type mm-hmm. uh, poking fun at different movie genres. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you should definitely watch it. It's not like I walked away thinking it was bad. Yeah, uh, it just you know a little bit of, of disappointment because I thought it would be much much weirder. Um, that's what I kind of was. was gathering that maybe the trailers were holding back from what the like, yeah. movie actually has in store. Yeah. Um, That's what I was hoping. Yeah. But, eh, oh, well. I want to see how true you are to this yeah, prediction. I, I really do. I'm excited. I <laughs> I think uh, I think I have you at least figured out on this one. You know what we should have done is that you like wrote it down and then like. In a card. Like yeah. An and then like when I come <laughs> back, you're like. This is your card. Yep. 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 I was so close. Right, I was give me right a review, on. and then I hand you the card. Yeah. Let's see what it does. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to think of that for the next 100% time. 100% doing that That's in the future. Idea. I'm just going to start writing down predictions. <laughs> like, really, you say, and go into a box full of envelopes and pull one out. Mm-hmm. Here's the Top Gun sequel <laughs> future review. Uh, yeah, so it uh, wasn't, wasn't a huge week. We have so much to cover. I've just been watching a lot of that stuff. Uh, but since last we recorded, there has been three additional episodes of the Obi-Wan series, uh, part three, part four, part five, uh, real originally titled. And um, 
lots of different things have happened in this series. You and I have not talked about it. I think there's one episode left. Yeah. I I have one burning question uh, as we go into this probably supersized Mandalorian minute. Mandalorian minute. And it's this. Clint, is Obi-Wan any better by the end of episode five than it was in episode one? Yes. Really? I, um, I'm shocked. Well. I'm shaken. Th- but you know where I started, though. Oh, I, you, you were low. I, I said I hated angry. it. Which angry. I think last review I needed, or when I was watching it, I, I needed a sandwich or something. Or I should have that <laughs> night just gone to bed. Gone to bed yeah. before watching mm-hmm. it, like just been like, I'll, I'll wait for tomorrow. I don't know, maybe I'll start with a fresh, clean slate and then jump into Obi Wan. Yeah. Um, because now I'm at the level where I just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so now I just continue to watch it, but mm-hmm. I don't have the seething anger. Um, it's just like, I'm like, it's fine. There are moments that I do really enjoy mm-hmm. certain like character arc things. Um, but still there's a lot of times where I'm just like, why are they doing this? And like, why, like, I don't care about this. I mean, Leia's whatever, she's fine. I wish it still wasn't Leia. And now, especially where it's going with what, where it ended up on the last episode, I'm like, okay, now it's really predicting, like (laughs) what I predicted was going to happen is going to happen. I still don't think he's going to see Luke. I I don't think he's going to reveal himself to Luke. I don't know. I think I have the plot figured out on that. I'll write it down and put it in an envelope. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I there's but there's just so many moments where it's just like I don't I also there's so many things they're like retconning from like the original mm-hmm. with what Vader's capable of that is just like okay then why can he not do this any other time? Why is he super powerful all of a sudden and like I know we're trying to like, yeah, it would have been cool if he could do this stuff for the fans, yeah. but now it makes no sense. Like, why is he be? He can take down. Also, <laughs> I, if you haven't seen this, I guess this is a spoiler. There's this in the last episode where he takes down the ship that's fleeing. He just grabs it, grabs it out of midair, and pulls it down. Yeah, and then she <laughs> has to go fight him, <laughs> and like. Yeah, I'm gonna go fight the guy who just tore a ship out of the sky. <laughs> like you think you're, I'm gonna think I'm gonna win that. Yeah, yeah. So there's just like I like her character arc that that reveal that yeah. was fun, but then it just it just doesn't really I don't know. It's it's just moments where I just don't I just don't care. So I don't hate it, but I just don't care. Okay. All right. Well, that's an upgrade. What do you I'm, think? I'm still enjoying it. Yeah. I have come down from I love it. Yeah. Uh, for two reasons. And it's something that I think new Star Wars just in general has been bothering me. And I haven't been able to put my finger on exactly why. And the last three episodes of Obi-Wan, I think, helped me. If they just removed little kids from yeah. the plots. <laughs> Uh, you would you would immediately escape the kind of the prequel curse and and some other things um, because the the original three films didn't have that there was no kid element I mean there were kid friendly things or kid adjacent things but it was not uh, you know one of your main characters being a child 
Mandalorian has a child. Obi-Wan has a child. There's there's just always this like, oh, look, the cute little thing. Other than Obi- episode one. Yeah. 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 Um, and so uh, so that bothers me. Yeah. And the second thing is, and, and I'm sure you are dead on that it's a product of that technology they're using, but not always, I don't think. Did you ever make movies when you were a little kid? Like in your basement with your friends? No, I never did that. Okay. When I did that, there was this thing where your imagination is always bigger than what's happening. Mm-hmm. And so if you would watch the things with an adult perspective, it's stupid because you're working in the confines of a basement or the right. confines of a field. Yeah. And so you're trying to create dramatic tension with these very small environments. Yeah. And there's one scene in particular in episode four where Obi-Wan walks into a hallway, and right down the hallway are two stormtroopers walking right at him. Mm-hmm. And he hops up in the the little alcove, mm-hmm. and somehow these two people just don't see him. Yeah, yeah. And and anything, like on a, on a professional level, you could have just shot that in a way, even if you're dealing with limited space, you just don't show a wide shot of it. And the mind allows you to think, okay, they they couldn't have seen him. He scurried out of the way. But right. when you get these wide shots of these small environments and you have characters doing things like hiding from each other and dodging and mm-hmm. things like that, times where he was in the hallway and there's six stormtroopers on each side firing at him. The, How are that, they possibly missing? That's that whole you know? sequence, though. Like, yeah. it was – that was so frustrating yeah. for me. Like, just like there's just <laughs> – complete crossfire and they're not getting hit the entire time. And it's one thing if he's blocking every shot and he's really doing something impressive, which he's doing some, but you still feel the sense of this is just a hallway guys. Yeah. There's, there's no, you know, obstructions in this hallway. It's not like he's pulling panels off the wall to block blaster bolts and, and things like that. It's just, it feels slow and sloppy and, Oh man, the fight sequences feel so slow. Yeah. Yeah. And um, another thing is, I think we briefly talked about this after the we had recorded last time, but mm-hmm. it's just continuously repeating the exact same storylines. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Leia is still this damsel in distress, and I and and I know she's a kid, but like they had to repeat this so many times, and. And then it gets to this point where, like, now he tr- like they trust each other. Their form, sh- their friendship is formed, but like, not through anything really dramatically happening. No. And to the point where he's like trusting her to do this big task in the last episode. That's like, why would you trust a child to go do this that you just met? Who has no mechanical experience. No. It's not like she has some she special just, knowledge to her character that gives her the ships. upper hand. That yeah. she and she it just doesn't watches mean them. she knows which out of a thousand wires is unplugged and what to right. plug back in. So that was just like, why are you letting her go do this? <laughs> it like so much relies on this. Yeah. Yeah. And back, this might tie into the technology thing too, but to me, and, and like how they're filming it, or just maybe some of the extras in the background. Um, but it just feels so small. Yeah. Like it, like the quality. It feels like a TV made-for-TV yeah. movie, yeah. and it kind of takes some of the weight away from it. It doesn't feel like this grand, um, like galactic thing that's happening. It just feels. It feels like Xena Warrior Princess. Bigger budget, but slightly. Still feels, <laughs> oh, I mean, the, the budget is much bigger, but yeah, it but feels it feels that same kind of. 
closed in small space. Yeah. Um, you know, there's this big dramatic moment where Vader launches this assault mm-hmm. on this planet where Obi-Wan's holed up. Yeah. And it's two ships. Yeah. And huge Star Destroyer, two little ships, mm-hmm. tiny little landing party. It does not feel overwhelming. It doesn't feel like the odds are stacked against them. It's just, oh, you've got two battalions at one door. Yeah. Okay. And if her lightsaber can cut through the door, why are we standing there shooting it with a giant blaster yeah. for five minutes? Yeah. It's just, it's little logic things. Yeah. Um, and it makes it feel like Vader has nothing better to do. Like he'll just instantly show up. Like, yeah. like I know they have history and everything, yeah. but it's just like you have people who you consider skilled at their jobs to take care of someone like this. Yeah. You should not be like, oh, Obi-Wan's there. I'm going to go down to this planet and not even fight him. <laughs> There's an alternate reality where the version of the show that we get is something where the people making it are okay making small character drama stuff. Yeah. And it's just about uh, Obi-Wan is on Tatooine, yeah. kind of watching over Luke, and finds out Vader's in the sector. Mm-hmm. And maybe finds out he's still alive. And it's just one of those, go infiltrate, and you found out that that the the great evil that that you thought was dead is not. You go to confront him and take care of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's and, and even that's just top of my head, but there's just there's simpler stories that could produce much more drama and much more fan service is fun, but fan service is never going to have meat to it. I feel like that's all no we're left good with it is. at this point. Yeah. yeah. And what I was considering, like what I would have liked to have seen, I would have liked to have seen um, you know, in Batman, where he, they keep showing, like he, the the son of what is the the governor or whatever who who he gets killed, and his mm-hmm. son keeps just popping up, and it's kind of reminding Bruce of his his younger self, and they're like trying to telling kind of telling his backstory as a child through just showing this kid in different situations. You'll see him and like mm-hmm. I'll remind him. I wanted something like that where it's hinting at Leia or Luke. And maybe um, Obi-Wan gets tied up with some mild adventure with some other child or people on the planet where he's trying to help them. But it's not directly tied to them, but it's hinting at that relationship and like helping him work through some trauma with with, um, um, Anakin. But like sidestepping stepping yeah. it, but it's still talking about the same things, but it doesn't get him involved in this giant galactic, yeah. like with Vader and everything. And it was just, it was a bit, would have been a nice character piece and just like going into his character. Like, I feel like um, Mandalorian did stuff like that a little bit better, but I don't know. Especially in season two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I agree. Um, yeah. I've, I enjoy it, but I recognize mostly what I'm enjoying is these almost video game fan service moments yeah. that are just fun to watch, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and kind of ties you back to what you imagined as a child. But as far as adult storytelling and something that really holds up and stands up, it it just doesn't it doesn't it doesn't hold a lot of weight. Yeah, I after the last episode, and I had a lot of fun with episode five, especially the Vader stuff. Even though, just like you said, I'm completely aware of the fact that this breaks. Yeah. Episode four, five, and six. Yeah. And in my head, canon, I'm like, okay, in four, 
he's toying with Obi-Wan and he's, you know, that's why he's not being vicious. Five, he's trying to keep Luke alive. That's why he's not being vicious. But I had to do the work mm-hmm. to come up with these cheap excuses as to why it would tie together. Um, but for all I know, I don't know, maybe a servo will break in episode six of Obi-Wan. Like, oh, man, I guess I can't move as fast ever again. Uh, <laughs> but, but it launched me uh, to episode four, to um, New Hope. Yeah. And I just went back and watched New Hope with probably, I think, the the freshest pair of eyes I've ever watched New Hope. Yeah. And I absolutely loved it. Uh-huh. It's just such efficient and and adventurous storytelling mm-hmm. on a surprisingly small scale. Um, and, and they use really smart story points as to why things are smaller than they might otherwise be. When they first escape the Death Star and only four TIE fighters follow them. It, that seems like such a small moment because, really, mm-hmm. the entire Death Star can only launch four TIE fighters? Oh, there's a tracker on the ship. Oh, and yeah, so yeah. it's a ruse. Right. You know, and so it's it's these little organic things mm-hmm. to address limitations. Suddenly I find myself watching the next day Empire Strikes Back and just reconnecting with – I got to Return of the Jedi too – reconnecting with these three original films in a way I haven't in a long time. Hmm. So ironically – the the failures or the shortcomings of the Obi-Wan series and maybe new Star Wars or whatever you want to call it, um, the Mandalorian era, has has reinvigorated my love of those first three films. Well, that's good. It's cool. Yeah. Uh, the prequels didn't do that. The prequels really kind of left me cold yeah. and put a dent, I think, in my appreciation of, of the original trilogy. But this, this latest batch seems to I – I don't know. I just – I think Star Wars might just be episode four, five, and six. Yeah. You know? That's okay. Everything else is just fan fiction that yeah. happens to be produced by Hollywood. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, this is ties in, but um, you hear about the Taika series he's going to do. Taika Waititi. Well, I've heard that he's doing a series. Yeah. I haven't heard any details I'm about it. I'm just excited. Well, the only detail I know is that he's not doing anything Skywalker related. Good. It's just going to be all new characters, and I'm excited to see what he does with it. I think that's really what it needs to be. Yeah. Because then when you do have those uh, productions that, that tap back into that, it feels like coming home, mm-hmm. but it also still feels like you've been in this giant universe prior to that. Right. Uh, You know, if we had had a whole smattering of those kind of tales before the sequel series Mm -hmm. where Han and Leia and Luke are popping back up, maybe that would have been better received. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I I just don't know. (laughs) Have you been watching Strange New Worlds? No. No? I watched half of one episode. I'm in love with the show. Yeah. Uh, It gets better every episode. I think the last episode was like episode seven. Mm -hmm. And I just, it's, it was one of the best hours of Trek. I had so much fun with it. Hmm. Um, And it was funny because going back to that old episodic Trek, it has this sense of adventure every week. And watching this, you know, simultaneously with Obi-Wan, I realize how little adventure is mm-hmm. actually in Obi Wan. They're doing all this planet hopping and and things like that, but there's just, you know, at, at the end of Episode Three, Vader drags him into fire, so he mm-hmm. has to go get medical attention. 
for two minutes right. just to run back to the next plot point. And it was such a bizarre— And the next plot point is just going to get Leia again, yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why Why even mess this guy up yeah. if you're just going to fix him in one minute the next episode and send him right back into the fray? Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll just have him go right back into the fray injured. Right. Um, you know, give me, uh, you know, throw in some plot point that that's why he's getting old and slow because mm-hmm. now he's all burn up too. I don't know. <laughs> the more I talk about it to you, Clint, the less I like it. I feel like we're starting to get to the same place slowly, <laughs> like with it. You're a little. It's, it's, it's an equilibrium. Yeah, I started yeah. really high. You started really low. And we're kind of coming to this midpoint. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. But yeah, Star Wars. So <laughs> today uh, we're actually going to end up, uh, I say reviewing four films, but I suspect one of these four will be a very quick discussion. <laughs> uh, but we're talking about Michael Bay's latest Ambulance. We're talking about Phil Tippett's uh, stop motion animated Mad God, which is, took 30 years mm-hmm. essentially to make. We're talking about uh, Morbius. God help us. <laughs> I blame um, you fully. I'm good, good. I I at least told you what Morbius was before I made you watch it. I knew what it was. I, I knew what it was before I watched it. I had a strong reaction to you bringing it up. If I had to eat that pile of slop, you had to too. <laughs> and you, then, <laughs> we'll talk about it. And then our Cinetron pick from last episode uh, indie flick called Come True. Uh, but let's start with Ambulance. Um, I will read the official description of Ambulance to you here. Um, decorated Hollywood superstar Michael Bay discovers drone cameras and gives everyone a migraine. Clint! <laughs> <laughs> That's my exact summary I've given everyone I've ever talked to about this. My brother, I was like, I think Michael Bay just figured out what a drone is. Clint, what did you think of uh, this Jake Gyllenhaal vehicle ambulance? It's terrible, Kenny. It's <laughs> it's so goodness. Like it was such a headache-inducing movie. That man, like I like Jake Gyllenhaal, but man, he's terrible in this movie. Just because uh, I don't know. He just let. I I love when he lets loose. Like, and he just gets crazy, but it was just so much over, like, on top, uh, I can't even speak correctly because this movie, stacked on top of everything Michael Bay was doing that I was just like, please just make it stop. And then we have to do an open heart surgery in the middle of an ambulance, whatever, a spleen. um, Like, and that's always nauseating to me. So, like, it's just fast moving cameras, Jake Gyllenhaal screaming. I'm going to do it. (laughs) Lots of I'm going to do it. Lots of I'm going to shoot this guy. Yeah. Lots of people dying in the streets of L.A. in in the hopes of saving uh, this this paramedic and cop that's in this ambulance. They keep insisting that they're still the good guys (laughs) after robbing a bank and, like, multiple people get murdered. Multiple cops and, like, their henchmen, like, or people they're involved with doing it. It's just, like— just misunderstood, Clint. (laughs) Okay. What did you think of this movie? This movie's terrible. Yeah. This this movie is two hours and 16 minutes. (sighs) Two hours and 16 minutes— of cameras that do not stop moving. 
And don't For just no reason. not stop moving. I mean, we're not talking shaky cam. No. I used to get irritated when people would would overly criticize shaky cam. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, is light years beyond shaky cam. This is diving cam and dipping cam and swirling cam. And there, there are shots where they'll be above the ambulance as it races along in the street. And then the camera just dive bombs the ambulance and swirls around it and why are we doing this right now? <laughs> and so you you have this filmmaker, Michael Bay, who yeah. say what you want about him. He can make a pretty movie. And he he's known for these very methodical and intentional, well-lit shots. Mm-hmm. And that's really about all I can give him credit for. This takes that away. And, and it just – he's still trying to make these beautiful shots, but they're nauseating. And I mean, I I was really fighting a headache this whole movie. It just it, oh, I got so angry at it. Me too. And he does those. He was doing these drone dive shots, and like in an instance like you're talking about, that kind of makes sense within the story. But there's so many where he's just diving down the front of a building. Yeah. And like, and you for would no think, reason for no reason because you you think it's gonna like come up on a character and like, but no, there's no character in there at all. It just cuts all of a sudden to it's another just an establishing shot. Yeah. And, and it and it's so. So frustrating. Like, yeah. It's like somebody took establishing shots and just force fed them cocaine for three weeks. Yeah. 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 And it's just like building, yeah. mall, bridge in in the most obnoxiously dramatic ways possible. Yeah. Um, but I think there was one like and like what you're saying, he you can tell some part of him is it very like very skilled. Um but I feel like he gets lost within everything else yeah. of it. Like, I, I think if he could just be, I don't know what, a cin- cinematographer or like he just um, like somebody who does scouting for locations or something, <laughs> like he would be great at yeah. it. But um, like there's one moment where he – there's a, a car chase and like he does this amazing like like – swooping camera move where then the cars crash and it was like wow that was super well executed in the middle of all this chaos like that would have been an amazing shot in an other like another movie that was like like um well done yeah but that it was just another bit of noise in the middle of all this yeah. and i and it was just like okay that means nothing even if that was a great shot and then the characters are just so so flat and like Listen to how cliche the yeah. actual plot description is. Okay. This is incredible because this is really accurate, but it condenses everything down and, and makes you realize how tropey the tropes of this thing yeah. are. Needing money to cover his wife's medical bills, <laughs> a decorated veteran teams up with his adoptive brother to steal $32 million from a Los Angeles bank. However, when their getaway goes spectacularly wrong, the desperate thieves hijack an ambulance that's carrying a severely wounded cop and an EMT worker with a heart of gold. Caught in a high-speed chase, the two siblings must figure out a way to outrun the law while keeping their hostages alive. It's the most 90s description yeah. of a movie that has no business having that much movie packed into it. Yeah. With with no really original or good idea in the mix. No. There, there's no interesting or or empathetic characters. Um, I, I guess you're supposed to latch on to this nurse. And the the poor veteran brother. Yeah, but he gives in so quickly yeah. to do like they do the establishing establishing opening where he's on the phone with the um, 
uh, trying to get the insurance covered for her, his wife's surgery and it doesn't work out. And then he instantly, the next scene is going to see his brother just to, like to say hi. And then he's like, oh, we're going to do this bank robbery. You're, you're in, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it's like, even though he's trying to stay on the straight and narrow, he's this, like, uh, he's a veteran and everything, but he just instantly gives in to like, okay, I guess I got to go do this. Yeah. He's my brother mm-hmm. and my wife needs the money. It's like, didn't, no thought at all. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it, I, and honestly, that's, that's about all I have to say about it. Mm-hmm. This was, I mean, critics have torn this thing apart and uh, I, just for good reason. Um, I would, I would love to hear from somebody that actually enjoyed this Yeah, because it's just so frenetic and it's so... Uh, everything is is dialed up to eleven. Well, I would say even with it being so frenetic and just chaotic with the camera moves and everything, the other than what I mentioned before about the one car crash, the chases aren't that good. Yeah, it's no. just or a typical ambulance like car chase on the freeway in Los Angeles, but with insane camera moves going the entire time to make it feel more energetic than it is. But it it does it like there's nothing really that dramatic happening outside of the ambulance with, I mean, I guess that's what I was reading. He wanted to be this gritty character piece. That's like claustrophobic. It like, but it's just, the characters weren't deep enough or interesting enough that to make it like you latch on any of them. It was, it was just a headache. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So are we done talking about this thing? I got another 10 minutes in me. Oh, another. (laughs) You're really going to Michael Bay this, aren't you? (laughs) Two hours and 16 minutes. I'm just going to like stand up and like swoop around you. (laughs) Clint, sit down. What are you doing? (laughs) All right. Uh, Our next uh, flick that we're going to talk about is called Mad God. And this was released in in limited theatrical release in some festivals, yeah. I think, earlier this year, maybe even late last year. But this is something that uh, that animator Phil Tippett, uh, a long time ago, just got this sort of fever dream idea and decided he was going to try to make. He made quite a bit of it and then put it up on a shelf for a while. And then some people convinced him basically to to take it back down and start working on it again. And they did a crowdfunding for it yes. to help him finish it. Yeah. Yep. But this is this is something that was started, you know, officially 30 years ago. Um, and the plot is very simple. A figure known as the Assassin descends from the heavens into a nightmarish pit full of monsters, titans, and cruelty. Clint. I suspect I know exactly what you thought of this movie. Open your card. Open your card. Here we go. (laughs) What did you think of Mad God? I love this so much. Like, this is the exactly what I wish, like, every movie was ever made. Like, (laughs) it was, like, you can tell there it was this... Art, uh, auteurs, auteurs, mm-hmm. per, personal project that he's been like working on for just years and years yeah. in like a passion project. And, um, and, and, and he's this like skilled, highly skilled, um, craftsman. Like, you know, we were talking about Star Wars. He worked on Star Wars and Jurassic Park and, um, what like a bunch of other things oh starship yeah. troopers just yeah. doing like you know the stop motion for that so like it was it's his thing and like to see him do his thing at in a story that he was passionate about um is just amazing and i'm so happy that it finally came out yeah. um i i loved 
just the simplicity of it. I'm always a sucker for a story that can tell it visually without any dialogue. Uh, this this literally almost has. I there, mean, it has no there's central no, dialogue. There's no yeah. There's no spoken dialogue yeah. in it. There's some grunts and stuff. Yeah. But, um, it, I actually really like the music, and I think it's a really good lesson in contrast because it's a really dark story and it's a really dark world. But there's like this melancholy to the music and like slight lightness at moments mm-hmm. that underscore it and kind of give it a new level. And uh, I. Actually, I was ex- wasn't expecting such kind of a straight narrative to it. It has kind of more of a narrative than I was expecting. And once you, I I went back and watched it again, and you can follow it pretty clearly the second mm-hmm. time, knowing where it's going. Um, but I I was totally on board with this. What do you think? I I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah, I I knew I was not going to love it. <laughs> the depths of of just passion that you were going yeah, to love yeah. it, um, because this is this is more of a challenging film for me. Um, but I was I was taken by it. Uh, a lot of it came from context. I had watched. I think that was last year. Uh, whatever that Netflix show is that that goes back into classic movies and just kind of gives you a quick, you know, yeah. hour long overview of of the production. The movies and stuff. that made us, or something? yeah, yeah. yeah. I believe it was that, and it was it was talking about Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. and it was talking about how Phil Tippett was lined up to do Jurassic Park until suddenly they did a CG test, mm-hmm. and Spielberg was shocked at what they could do with CG mm-hmm. and making photoreal dinosaurs, and suddenly all of their stop-motion plans sort of shut down, mm-hmm. and this poor guy essentially got sidelined mm-hmm. and has been sidelined ever since. I yeah. mean, he's been on some pretty big projects but for the most part he's doing much more concept sort of mm. things he's he's not actually seeing his his artistry on film anymore yeah. it's it's a lost art mm-hmm. and so to know that that's the human being that is responsible for this wild uh feature length stop motion animation feature unlike anything I've ever seen or could have imagined it to be. I yeah. knew it was supposed to be dark and stomach turning and and really surreal and and um but I I wasn't expecting the extent to which that would be true and I was definitely not expecting that level of artistry mm. with so many shifting and changing There's visuals. Some I even besides like the the um like his skill as an anime a stop motion animator as a visual storyteller, it's amazing. Yeah. Like just the shots alone, like there's some just such beautiful shots in it of him, how he uses the camera to like going through certain things and certain camera moves are so beautiful mixed in with this level of artistry, like where moments where it's like really took my breath away. And yeah. um, I I was really blown away by, by that aspect of it too. I was, and, and even when you, you said you were surprised how, how easily you could follow the narrative, I was too. Yeah. Because even as it started and it's doing this almost Dante's Inferno mm-hmm. descent level after level after level downward uh, with increasingly just nauseating hellish images – uh, even then, I'm really thinking the whole movie is just going to be this guy's descent to essentially the core of hell, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a Dante's Inferno type thing. But it doesn't do that at all. Yeah. It, it does it first long enough to lure you into thinking that's all it is. Yeah. 
And then it does something much different. And you're right, by the end, it actually, it really took me by surprise mm-hmm. where it's going and what the whole point of this narrative was and and what you've actually been watching the whole time. And it's it's really uh, almost 2001-esque mm-hmm. in, in the way that it, looking back, it had crafted everything. Yeah. Uh, and it just, it the structure of it really impressed me by the end. Yeah, and it th- it threw me off at first too because I and I which I really enjoyed the second time through how it really like hits you in the face the first um 20 30 minutes of it and then where it goes with kind of the the doctors and delving into his past through his like tapping into his mind to see where he came from and yep. and then it gets it gets more like surreal in a different way where it's this weird uh, post-apocalyptic world that's it's kind of i don't want to say serene but there's there's it's not as like densely populated so it's a much different journey the second half of the film yeah and i and it's um strangely beautiful and weird and and, mm-hmm. and it's uh, interesting in a different way even though i love the, how densely populated the first half is and um just the level of creativity like this is like someone's just directly tapping into somebody's imagination and that i feel like is so far and few in between like seeing that these days because there's like so much stuff just kind of made by committee and it's got to be boiled down to for a larger um, audience and i just love seeing one person's imagination just like completely spilled out there it's it's so i think it's i honestly think it's a really special thing and um i don't know it also feels and and is in part very spontaneous yeah it it feels as if it's being created as it goes yeah and i'm sure part of that is uh you know just the length of time it's it's being created over mm-hmm. and the the bare bones idea that it started with but it really feels like an artisan just sort of building each level of this world after they finish the last level. Yeah. And it you almost are feeling him as a as a a creator and an animator creating as the movie unfolds. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's that's something I don't know you could do that with anything other than stop motion. Mm-hmm. Um because you would lose that that sense of things happening just as it comes to him over right. the years. Yeah. Um, and I, I just, I love that too, because it really started to, at first it was disarming, but then it really started to make me wonder what's what's around the next corner. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen next? Where is this going next? Even with styles, mm-hmm. you know, what style is going to happen next? And you get to something like the, I don't know if you call that an autopsy or what you want to ever call that with those doctors who you know dig down to this well, he's worm still alive child so yeah, yeah it's it's, like, it's yeah. sort of an it's, autopsy it's, but not that's um, really david lynchy it feels very um eraserheadish yeah. oh yeah, yeah right that, down to the baby yeah but even in that it's combining so many different yeah. there's there's live action but even that live action is it's shot so, at a frame rate I know. that's very jittery and, yeah, and yeah. disturbing mm-hmm. and hard to get your your head kind of latched to mm-hmm. um it just it it I was fascinated. This mm-hmm. was like watching somehow a painting just constantly evolve. Mm-hmm. Uh, we watched what was that? Wolf House. Yeah, Wolf House had that same feeling mm-hmm. uh, that that this has, but this is just at a whole other 
level and degree. Mm -hmm. Now, did you have any sort of criticisms of it as you were going on or anything that bothered you? Well, the first time, I think the live action aspect of it threw me off a little bit, with especially with like the monk kind of character. Mm-hmm. With um, the fingernails. The fingernails, because he, like, other than, like, the autopsy thing, it's very stylized and jittery, like you're saying. It kind of really flows into the stop motion. And um, that is straight, um, just a... a actual character, human character. So that was threw me off. But the second time, it didn't bother me at all. And, and actually, it works really well with having the very stylized real humans. Then you kind of works you into... Really, that's the only thing. Because I don't know. There's It's just such a like one person's voice kind of thing mm-hmm. that like, I, I can't even think of things because it's just interesting to see someone's mind completely unfold and tell this story and like you're saying like it's probably it was just this um train of thought kind of thing that's just unfolded over 30 years and adding pieces to it so it's just something where like i like that the narrative is super simple at, at the heart of it and then you just get this a completely visual um, world that you just kind of take in. Yeah. Um, I I actually I really like the beginning with like the kind of opening with the verse from Leviticus and the Tower of Babel and stuff, and that was really interesting yeah. and added this whole kind of other mytho- mythology to it. And that this thing, this world has fallen apart back in biblical times yeah. and just gone deeper into this pit of hell as it's progressed. It, it was really interesting. Yeah. And I think it actually ends on like, I want to say sweet, but like this very melancholy mo- th- like It's both feeling. helpful yeah. and, and still fatalistic right. at the right. same time. And so it's it's gotten many levels to it. It's not just pure dark horror, yeah. uh, which I really appreciated. Yeah. Oh, and the reason I asked is because I found the the critical part of my brain stopped even turning on yeah. while I was watching it mm-hmm. because it was like watching it was like watching somebody paint. Yeah. You don't sit there and criticize because you don't even know what the final product looks like. Right. And so it, it was this it was almost like watching somebody's you know I mean literally it is time-lapsed artwork. Right. But it really felt that way. Mm-hmm. Unlike other stop I love stop motion. Yeah, me too. But unlike other stop motion animated features, you're still approaching them as a this is a final film. Mm-hmm. And you're you're coming to it like a film that just happens to be stop motion animated. This had a very different feel. Mm-hmm. I mean that's obviously there, but it just at some point, I stopped trying to understand or figure out and just went along with it. Yeah. And and was taken with not, okay, where's the story going, but how does this level of descent work? Mm-hmm. Uh, when he gets to the level, and I think that's the first time it really started to hit me, which is fairly early on. And there are just the kind of straw humanoid figures. Yeah. Oh, man. That are just getting slaughtered constantly, but they're just droning about their work. That... I could understand from the minute he entered that level to the minute he left how that level functioned. Not because it has some sort of like realistic logic, but because the etern- the internal logic was so clearly visualized and and staged in such a way that it just you understood what was happening. You might not understand what he's trying to say with it. I felt like I and, did completely. And I did too, but I bet you know, if five different people compared their notes, there were different times in this movie where you would have a completely different interpretation as to 
you know, what he's thinking. Yeah. But even that ceases to matter because it's such a it's like the best kind of art. It's the way you react to it and it becomes yours because you're at the same time sort of imprinting your impressions onto, uh, you know, what you're watching. Yeah. And, and your interpretation becomes really central to how the, the the piece of art is working for you. Yeah. To me, I feel like so many of the levels just are a complete mirror to actual reality. Yeah. And, uh, and it's a very nihilistic view, uh, uh, but I kind of fall into that tra- trap and feel that way mm-hmm. most of the time. So I could just see like, yeah, that's just human life basically playing itself out in this, yeah. like, that's how, I don't know, he probably feels and I feel sometime where you're just like this little yeah. uh, poop hair monster that is just going to get s- splattered and it doesn't really matter. And <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And and, and, yeah. and so like, and it's, oh man, it's, there's a lot to it for sure. And it's yeah. not just pure visual. There, There is thought behind it for yeah. sure. Yeah. I all I would say is don't eat or have a snack while watching this thing. It really got me sometimes. I didn't have a problem just, with it, but it that kind of stuff. For some reason, you could you could try to visualize it realistically, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't gross me out as much as seeing it stop motion animated. Oh, like I'm that. the opposite. Wolf House did the same thing. Yeah, I'm the opposite. Like Michael Bay, like the ambulance got me so much worse. Yeah. Like uh, if it's realistic in that way, yeah, I can't deal with it. Okay. Yeah, it's strange. Well, yeah, I. I'd highly recommend this thing, you know, with the caveat that I'm sure there are people that will hate this. Oh, yeah. That it, that it will think it's just, uh, you know, disgusting nihilism and it just has no value and it it has no point. And, but, you know, those are people that just, I don't know, don't like art. Should go watch Morbius, I guess. <laughs> Morbius. Speaking of, <laughs> let's talk another uh, masterpiece that was 30 years in the making. Morbius dangerously ill with a rare blood disorder and determined to save others from the same fate. Dr. Michael Morbius attempts a desperate gamble. While at first it seems to be a radical success, a darkness inside of him is soon unleashed and apparently unleashed with Matt Smith as well. Clint, what, what did you think? Well, first of all, yeah, let me defend myself a little bit. You don't have any defense. I watch this because it's a comic book movie. I watch all comic book movies. I don't care how bad they are. I knew this was going to be bad. I didn't realize how bad this was going to be. And so as soon as it was done, I started texting you and like, we got to talk about Morbius. <laughs> it's terrible. We got to talk about Morbius. And you fought me. You fought valiantly. You really did. I guilted you into this. You did, yeah. Because I was not about to be the only human being (laughs) in this podcasting booth that had to suffer this indignity. So, Clint, what did you think of Morbius? Well, when I saw the trailer for this, uh, I know I start a lot of podcasts or uh, a lot of discussions this way. But um, I swore to myself, I was like, I'm not watching that movie. (laughs) Like, I don't, I'm not watching that. I have no interest in that movie. There's, Did you ever watch Venom 2? No. Good. Because I hated Venom 1 so okay. much. Venom 2 And I saw worse. that in the theater with you. Yeah. And I and I swore to myself, Kenny's not talking to me another one of these movies. <laughs> but then, of course, you guilted me into it. I and I, I had to watch this thing. And I had to watch about uh, half of it twice <laughs> because I started it, fell asleep like I typically do these days. And then I was, I was like swore to myself again that like I'm not going to spend another evening where <laughs> I am like fighting myself to stay awake for 
for this. So I convinced Jenny, can I, can I watch this early while you're still up and like, just get through this. So I'm not spending in like this battle. <laughs> and she agreed. And her reaction was probably what I wish I could have just recorded her reaction. <laughs> and that would have been a very good review. But anyway, this was terrible. Okay. This was like, this was, it was boring for one. Surprisingly it's boring. Strangely boring. Yeah. yeah. Um, two, I've never seen a movie pace like this in my life. It's broken. It's it, really a broken film. It's so broken and so fast. It doesn't slow down at all to let you wrap your head. Or, like, it's not a, a complicated story. No. But, like, it doesn't let you, like, any, in, like, aspect of it sink into your mind so mm-hmm. you can connect with it. Like, it's... <laughs> It's uh, okay. Morbius has got the bats. Okay, let's show his him as a kid. Okay, he makes friends with Matt Smith. They're friends now. Okay, now he's going to go into the ship and like administer <laughs> this serum that he's made. Okay, now he's a vampire. Yeah. And how <laughs> <laughs> he's doing this? I get an illegal experiment. Yeah. But. For some reason, they decide that they're going to do this illegal experiment in international waters like with heavily th- armed mercenaries. Where did the heavily armed mercenaries even come from? Were they renting their ship? I, did to Matt scientists? Smith rent those two for him? Because uh, I—that's what I took from it—is Matt Smith was funding this illegal thing, maybe, the, and he hired the hint them. Don't get where the armed mercenaries were coming into play. I don't either, especially like. They had to do the like one henchman wanders off to yeah. like to and he discovers it and then like there's a yeah. bloodbath. Yeah. And so it just it gets to the halfway point of this movie and they've told the entire story. So the last hour of this movie is just like them kind of like Matt Smith and um, Morbius, Jared Leto, like just kind of playing with each other because now they both have this ability as a vamp, like these horrible vampires. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like the last half of this movie is so boring. <laughs> the whole movie is so boring. Anyway, what did you think of this? I, I didn't even ask was, I was, I was shocked. If it was just bad, like Venom 2, I didn't guilt you into seeing because Venom 2 is just bad. This is another level of bad. That's why I wanted you to watch it because yeah. it just, it's not just boring. It's not just poorly written or outdated or, or any of these things. It feels like a movie that should have never made it to the screen. No. It feels like it's missing a half an hour. It it the, it will suddenly make these giant leaps mm-hmm. in story where Matt Smith is suddenly uh, an evil villain. Yep. I guess because as a kid he got beaten up by some bullies. <laughs> um, but man, he goes evil hard. Really fast. Real fast. Yeah. Which, you know, layer that into this kid. In in all these scenes, but they don't you're give you seeing. time to do that. No, they got to tell no. the, the him and uh, Matt Matt Smith and Morbius being friends with it. It was like a five minutes, yeah. like a sequence, like yeah. even less than that. Yeah. They're like we're friends, and it even jumps within a conversation, yep. like ahead, and it's so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like they meet, then all of a sudden it's months later they're having the same conversation so they're finishing the conversation they were starting it's been a long conversation Clint <laughs> I mean when you have that rare blood disease you yeah. speak slower I guess yeah I was I was particularly surprised at how good the cast was just from a a names standpoint and that left me wondering how these people each of them signed on to this thing um 
because, uh, you know, not not that they're all A-listers, but they have previously done generally much more interesting projects. Uh, and and this is this was very strange, especially for for Jared Leto. I'm it, this I'm con- he's I'm convinced he's not a good actor. Really? Like after this, like tell me a good thing he's done. Well, uh, what was the um, Dallas Buyers Club? But that's just because he lost a lot of weight. <laughs> <laughs> or like, like he, I mean, he was good in that too. I don't know if he was. I what I would say is I don't know if he is somebody who can lead a film. No, this he was, man, he was so like um, muted and just yeah. like there was no anything to his his performance or wasn't yeah. anything there. I guess, you know, I think I, for some weird reason, combine him and Joaquin Phoenix into the same he wants career. to be a Joaquin Now Phoenix. that I'm thinking about it, most of the movies that keep popping into my mind to defend him with are all Joaquin Phoenix movies. And he's I mean, clearly both did Joker. not Joaquin Phoenix. They both were. Oh, maybe that's the connection point. <laughs> His Joker was terrible. Um, but even there, I thought, okay, this is this is David Ayer. This is his version of Joker that's really failing, and and Leto's doing his best. This this doesn't feel like that. And now, in retrospect, I doubt some of those other failures uh, were were just on filmmakers or things like that. I this was. I, I wish I could articulate how bad of a movie this is. It it feels almost like a student film. I could not deal with the cop characters. <sighs> they were after them. The the like um Agent Rodriguez guy, mm-hmm. like who's the comic relief, was irritating me oh. so much. Um but there's just like, yeah, the cop whole cop angle is like it doesn't have any weight on the story mm-hmm. at all. Um I just find it fascinating because, oh, come on, even if you're repeating ground that's already been hit by other movies, immortality and vampires is just a, a sandbox of things you can do with storylines revolving around that. And none of that is there. It um, all feels like it's a setup just for them to do whatever the it was a Sinister Six or something. I guess. Like I don't know. They don't know what they're doing either. I know. The whole tag with the um with, with Michael, Michael Keaton. Keaton like so, stupid. Yeah, that was stupid. Um but it just I don't But know. they're both flying villains, Clint. They're assembling oh, a team uh, of flying villains. Oh my gosh. This, <laughs> if why? you would have, you at home, if you would have just seen the convulsion <laughs> that Clint's you, entire you body jog just my went memory. <laughs> okay. They have to they set this up that like he's this great scientist and doctor who is discovering this cure by going and getting these bats and he's doing all this work. Why all of a sudden is he supernatural? Why can he fly around? Why is there like smoke coming off of him? He's like bats th- don't do this. Bats don't do this. Vampires, okay, they can, but there's no like hint that this is a supernatural vampire. Mm. This is just this somebody is a pure combining scientific experiment. Combining their DNA with a bat. So I can understand, okay, maybe the bloodlust, but like why can they fly and have these smoke trails coming off them? <laughs> it drove me insane. Yeah. And it looks so bad. And bats <laughs> glow purple. Clint. Well, when, if they're wearing purple when pants. When they're bad. Oh, that's true. The inside of his jacket was even yeah, purple. Huh? It was just with the color of their clothes coming oh. off. Oh. And they, the whole thing is, oh, I, I heard this. I don't know if my brother told me this, that Jared Leto refused to do um, 
uh, prosthetic makeup because he believed so much in CGI that he would only do the CGI like transformation stuff because <laughs> he had saw no reason for it. Okay. And that, and that looks so bad. It would just be like moments where they just scream all of a sudden in their faces, like get this horrible plastic um, CGI facial uh, mask. Was, this this uh, movie is considered a box office failure. How much do you think it made worldwide? Um, hundred thousand dollars. Hundred sixty million. Oh. <laughs> this thing still pulled hundred sixty million dollars. And I can't. I watched the trailers. I mean, there's yeah. there's nothing in the trailers that suggests this movie is going to be anything other than it is. You think there's just a lot of people like like you that it will just see every comic book movie? Maybe that's you know I was just judging those people, but then realizing you're absolutely right. I I chipped six bucks into this pile. Yeah, yeah. At least it wasn't like fifteen by going to the theater. <sighs> yeah. No, it was it was real bad. Now, which is worse, Ambulance or Morbius? If you had to watch one again, which would you be tied down and forced to watch? This probably. Really? Yeah, because, mm-hmm. man, there's a motion sickness aspect to Ambulance with <laughs> surgery happening in yeah. the middle of it all. And, and I don't know. This is just kind of really forgettable also awful but forgettable yeah. like it could just be on the background and i could ignore it yeah. but uh, i was gonna go with this is only an hour and 40 minutes that works <laughs> so, yeah that's true 215 hour 40 yeah but yeah i i think this is the worst film uh morbius is but i think ambulance is the most grating of the two experiences yeah so all right well i officially apologize to you. Thank you. For <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I also apologize to your wife. I didn't know you were going to make your wife watch it. Jeez. Sometimes when something's so terrible, it's really funny just to like have her input on it. All right. Our Cinetron pick from last episode is called Come True. It's from 2020, released right at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And it's about a teenage runaway that takes part in a sleep study that becomes a nightmarish descent into the depths of her mind and a frightening examination of the power of dreams. Clint, what did you think of Come True? Um, well, I found this during the pandemic, like just randomly, I watched the trailer for it, and I, I thought, like, well, that looks really cool. Actually, it looks really interesting. I like the um, how what they're doing with like the dreamscape stuff. Look, so I um, I watched this, yeah, probably a year ago, mm-hmm. and I was having a blast with it, um, and then it totally lost me by the end of it. Okay, but um, it was to a degree where I felt like I was missing something. And so I was really actually enthusiastic and excited to kind of watch it again. Okay. And it worked a lot better for me this time. Um, Do you know which point lost you the first time? The very last. The very last scene the or very, the last the little The very last, like what is shown on the screen. Gotcha. Um, which we'll do a little spoilers in a minute okay. and we'll talk about it. Um, but then... Um, going back and watching it again, um, it worked for me a lot better, especially knowing that. Mm-hmm. And it actually isn't just something that felt tacked on. It's something baked into the story. And once you know it, it makes it more interesting mm-hmm. and uh, makes it actually have more levels than I w- was expecting. Um, 
but I think visually and like the subtlety of it, it's a, a really subtle, visually interesting movie and uh, actually feels very kind of original. Um, so, yeah, I really liked it. What do you think? I, I also liked it. I, I feel like it's one of those uh, really well-constructed and, and well-designed and conceived uh, low-budget yeah. indie films mm-hmm. that do a really good job of pushing as far past low-budget yeah. as you possibly can. You can't really see those seams of low no. budget. No, this is this is really well done with with imagery and suspense and just a a, a gnawing sense of uh, of danger mm-hmm. of not feeling like you're safe at any point. Yeah, and that the world could change around her at any point for you know no discernible reason, mm-hmm. and you're going to have to experience that. And, I appreciated this is one of those movies that really marry the experience that the character is going through with the experience you're feeling as you're watching it. Right. And anything that can do that, yeah, I really appreciate. I also wanted to talk about the last kind of scene. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go ahead and, and just spoiler and talk about that? Yeah. Or do you have anything else you want to mention? I do want to say, though, uh, the, the cast is surprisingly good. Yeah, That's yeah. another thing that that tends to happen with, with indie, especially sci-fi and horror. You really have hit or miss uh, performances. And especially Julia Sarah Stone mm-hmm. in the lead uh, was was extremely, I think, uh, interesting and had a good handle on her performance. I totally agree, and uh, I feels like they did very good, purposeful, or like like um, putting the work into making sure that that role was filled really well. And yeah. just and even though like she's really the center of it, the other characters around her are are uh, do a really good job too, just of supporting her. Um, but I wanted to say it was written, directed, cinematography, edited, and music by Anthony Scott Burns, which I, I'm always impressed when somebody can, they, they, it's when somebody claims they can do all that stuff, it's like, can you really? But then when somebody actually pulls it off and you see like, oh, he did a really good job with every aspect of that, um, it's always impressive to me. Yeah, that's something that sometimes it feels completely necessity. They yeah. just had to do it. Yeah. And that's when you see those those seams and those cracks. Right. This, I'm sure, was a necessity just out of of budget and out of all of those things. But you could you can tell that there's a confidence there right. and and a know how and a talent to all of those areas. And so while I'm sure from a budget standpoint, it was a necessity. I don't think it was a necessity to the degree of well, we got to do it, even though we know, you know, some of it's going to be worse for the wear. Right, I think, it never felt that way at all. No, I yeah. I think he's he's genuinely one of those kind of multi talented mm-hmm. filmmakers, and I I really hope uh, that that he gets more projects and that that he has more opportunities to to sort of show what he can do. Yeah, uh, because this is a really good. I don't think this is his first film. I know he, but it's uh, a good showing. It's, yeah, I know he did a short for some kind of horror anthology show, movie okay. or something. I can't remember which one it was. Oh, so this may be his first feature. Then. I think it's his first feature. I think he was. Uh, there was some other movie, a bigger movie that he um, was like, uh, like uh, he was in a, one of the um, departments of. I can't yeah. remember exactly what he did, but. Yeah, let's go into spoilers on it. Okay. So what was it about the last scene? Because my initial reaction was was almost this is a forced kind of head whip 
It's it's a yeah. twist tacked on for twist's sake. Yeah. Uh, what was your first take? And then you said that it was better the second time. How did it go the second time? Well, I had the same reaction where it felt like something tagged on to just like um, kind of deceive you and like throw you off the scent of what was happening. Like just felt like a, a kind of a um, oh Shyamalani twist, but actually it's. Um, and I will say that I feel like there may have been a better way to do it, but maybe not because once you go back and see that how the story unfolds and how that's kind of baked in from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll just say like she's – this is a spoiler section. Yeah, so yeah. she's having these nightmares and it gets to the end where they're um, – she's kind of in another nightmare and she gets a message on her phone – and it says, you've been in a coma for 20 years. We're trying a new um, form of therapy to get you out of it. Yeah. And it's just like, that's the last thing on the on the screen. And it's something where the first time through, it just does not feel like it fits within the movie. It feels like they didn't know how to end. Right. Yeah. But then going back, you realize like, okay, so – you start thinking about it more and you're realizing like, okay, so she's, you start thinking, when was she in the, is is the coma start here, there? And it makes it more interesting and you start um, piecing it together more. And then you kind of think about the text aspect of it and like realize that she's doing a lot of her messaging in the film through text with other people and stuff. So if that's um, other communication from the outside, then it it totally works within the context of it. I I feel like there was probably a way – it didn't bother me as much the second time either. I feel like there was probably a way, and who knows, but a a way to let that bake in a little more and have a little more time at the end. Right. I think part of the the thing I didn't like the first time around about the ending is it's so seemingly abrupt. Yeah. And it it doesn't immediately make you think, well, if I go back through, I can piece this together. Right. It it has that feeling of something that's very tacked on. And it it really threw me off the first time me because too. nothing else feels tacked on in this movie. Yeah. And so it almost felt like, okay, did they not know how to end it? Is that one of those they did test audiences and one of the the distributors just decided, no, you have to put something more concrete at the end of this because people are confused when it just cuts to black. Um, it, you know, it felt like that sort of thing. Uh, I, I was but. reading an interview with the with the director, and he was saying how he really wanted actually a very divisive ending. Yeah. And he wanted it to split the audience, and okay. he wanted that feeling. And, and it was and not in a way like – like it definitely ties into the movie, but he wanted to see if people would be willing to go with it and invest the time to hmm. understand if it actually is part of it or it yeah. was just tacked on. And I, I thought that was interesting. And to its credit, good twists are twists that make you go back through a movie and notice things that you didn't notice the first yeah. time or attribute more meaning to things that seemed inconsequential the first time yeah. through. And this this does that. Yeah. I still don't know if if I like the ending, but I agree with you. I do think it at least it works yeah. the second time. You can see that they're laying uh the the clues, for lack of a better term, into place. Yeah. So that that there is a, a consistency there when that finally happens. I for me I think it makes some of the moments in the movie actually work a lot better when you think of it that mm-hmm. way like the first time and um 
it really bothered me the relationship she had with the male um, guy doing the study that is kind of stalking her mm-hmm. because just how the fast their relationship progresses and she's um, she's just 18. Like she just turned 18 and he's an older, like he's not older. He's probably maybe like 25 or something. Yeah. Um, but it just felt very sudden. But if you think of it, like this is all in her head and it's probably more like it's this thing that she's fantasizing about in mm-hmm. a way or in spending her time within her her coma. Um, uh, so it, it works a lot better. And he might be like this like a nurse outside who's helping with the study and, or he's part of the study trying to get her out of her coma then like, and she's fantasizing about him in the sexual way. It works a lot better. So if you look at it, like a lot of the aspects like that and um, it, it, I don't know, for me, it's a little more interesting and, and takes away some of those issues for me. But I want to add, like, if you're thinking about it, like, I, I started reading, I never do this. I was going down a rabbit hole of people on Reddit talking mm-hmm. about this movie. It was, and it was actually a very positive, like, it was people fans of it and they were kind of doing their theories. I usually try to avoid mm-hmm. Reddit. And they were talking about when they thought the coma may begin. So I wanted to ask, when do you think it, is she in it the entire time? Or do you think there's a certain point where um, she, she enters that escape? I, I think there's a certain point, I think, when it starts to, and I, I you may know the, the exact scene that I'm trying to think of, but it's when things start to feel unreal, mm. when when there almost starts to be not a, not a suggestion of supernatural elements yet, but where you start to feel like reality isn't quite working mm. the way it should. Uh, and I, I wish I had jotted down the exact scene because I remember thinking about that and pointing my finger at it. Do you have one that you think? I I uh, definitely kind of know where you're talking about. People were expressing that theory. But for me, I kind of feel like it's the entire thing. Okay. Because um, just the is the like separation that she has from or, like she's kind of a runaway. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's her like way of coping with that she's separated from her family and mm-hmm. she sees herself as this mm. runaway. And so she's just, and she cannot connect to anyone and like her friendship, she only has this one friendship. And that's so the of, isolation is the, yeah, the that's kind of what I, the only the thing that I uh, was kind of grabbing onto. Mm. And I know that people were kind of saying that, um, that like, how are there scenes with like the people running the study mm-hmm. without her. But I was like, you you can have dreams of people on their you own. You have internal logic. Yeah. It's not like I'm in every scene of my Right, dreams. I never place myself in every yeah. single scene. Yeah. So I, I totally kind of thought, I was like, hey, you can do that. That You yeah. could have a moment where you're not uh, directly um, a part of a, like a dream sequence or something. Yeah. So that didn't bother me. But that's just what I thought because I, I, I don't know, that's where my mind went. But I, I think it's a um, just from a visual aspect, like it's the cinematography is really great. I think the dreamscape stuff, the nightmare sequence stuff, is really imaginative yeah. and yeah. interesting, and um, it kind of almost feels um, mad godish in this yeah. way. And it's a very um, original take on a yeah. nightmare scape, and it feels real and uh, and and uh, new at the same time. It's really it's, cool. It's that exact kind of unsettling you feel when you're in a dream. Yeah. Um, you know when you it's it when you don't realize you're dreaming, but when you think back to how you felt mm-hmm. and you felt that 
had just sort of disquiet. Yeah. Uh, it really tapped into that well. And I really love that they were kind of playing with that. Um, did you ever see that documentary? I can't remember. It was called The Nightmare, where the people were having the um, locked in yeah. when they're seeing the shadow figures. Yeah. I love that they were playing with that. And I yeah. think he actually used that as a direct, um, like, yeah. bouncing off point for this. And that that was really interesting to see it done in this very surrealistic yeah. um uh, heightened way. Yeah. And I like, I really like the end where, it, I mean, the end before the end. Before the text message. Before the text the message. Mirror. Yeah. I like that, that whole sequence where they're following her yeah. and they're kind of, and she's kind of leading them into this nightmare escape that's broken through to the real world, yeah. even though it's not the real world. I love that overlap. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I really like it. So ambulance. Uh, I guess if you have to watch it, take some serious <laughs> medicine before you do. But man, skip that piece of junk. For a class or something. I don't yeah. know. Maybe, Mad maybe God. EMTs need to take it and watch it now. <laughs> Mad God, definitely check out. Yeah. It is the right kind of art. And and it's just, it's dazzling. It's from we, start to finish. <laughs> we say it's the right kind of art. <laughs> It's not what meant. Your art is wrong, and you're doing about, it wrong. I wasn't talking about ambulance. I just meant it's a very artsy piece, but it's the right kind of art. I didn't realize how I said that. Uh, Morbius, the wrong kind of art. Skip that thing. I think that's um, how we should do our reviews now. Right art, Clint, is this art. the right art or the wrong kind of art? And then uh, come true. Uh, did I say that right? Yeah, come true. Okay, come true. And my brain immediately told me that's not the title of that movie. Come true, definitely worth checking out. I believe it's on Amazon Prime still, or is it somewhere else? Hulu. Hulu. Yep. Uh, definitely worth watching, especially if you're a fan of indie sci-fi horror. Uh, all right, so you ready to spin ye old Cinetron? Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. I think we both have seen this one, okay. But I think we have never really talked about it, okay. Um, so this is a good moment for us to finally do that. So Possessor, ah, uh, yes, okay. Cronenberg's son, yeah, his movie. Is it Brandon Cronenberg? Um, yes, Brandon. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I'm all about this. Now, do you want to watch kind of the theatrical cut they released originally, or there's an there's an unrated cut? Oh, really? Yes. Uh, I have it actually. If you want to borrow it, yeah, I haven't seen um, that version. I don't know if it's on Amazon, but but okay. I have it. If you want to check that out, yeah, yeah. So okay, I think it has both versions on it. Okay, but I'm not a hundred percent sure of that. But yeah. um, since you already watched the the original one, yeah, that was the one on I don't know Hulu or whatever. Yeah, right? it's just basically more gross stuff. It's oh. not like there's more. At least that I remember, it's not like there's more. Uh, you know, depth to the story because of the. There might be. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, yeah, that'll be a good one. I've I've wanted to talk about that with you because I think we had um, 
differing opinions on that. So yeah, I wonder to revisit good it to okay. see if it was one of those moments where I just was not in the mood for it. Okay. Yeah. And it came out, that was also right in that period of time where I know. Yeah. The world was falling apart. And so it's so much better yeah. now. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, as always, you can find us at www.cinebabblecast.com or at Cinebabble on Instagram. Shoot us a message. Uh, I've, I keep saying we're going to answer questions. I've got a pile of them building up, and we should probably answer a few of those as yeah. we go because otherwise people just hate us and stop listening because we don't care about them. But really, we care. Yeah. I just keep forgetting. I'm, I'm a bad organizer. Maybe next time we'll do like two or three. Yeah, that sounds like good. We've, we've said that before. So maybe we're lying again. This is up to you. You got the questions. I don't know. Yeah. But this <laughs> has been episode 56. Uh, you know, if you have any questions about drone cameras, don't ask us. We have very strong opinions there. We know somebody that might know something <laughs> about it. Like, well, they're, lear- they're learning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, thanks as always for listening and uh, shoot us your thoughts, shoot us your comments and questions, and uh, maybe maybe we'll care about them this week. Tell I'm me why try. I'm wrong about Star Wars. There you go. <laughs> All right. See you later, Clint. Bye, Ken. Bye.